0: So over the next four weeks, we're going to take the month of December, and we're going to look at some main characters in the Bible st- in the Bible story. They're all from the Bible, I promise you, but they're also from the Christmas story. So, uh, and I know this is um, familiar if you've, you know, if you're over twenty, you know, the Christmas story is very familiar. Like it's, you hear it every year, and it's. Uh, I tell you what, a challenge um, pastorally is to present Christmas. In, in a fresh way, right? Because some of you have been saved for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, right? You've heard it all, right? Like, tell me something I haven't heard before, Pastor. So, um, Pastor Sean and I are not going to feel that pressure, I am not going to try to be creative and present to you the scriptures in some sort of dynamic, fresh way that you can say, man, our church is amazing. Our pastor, there's new revelation about whoever and there's nothing new. Okay? Uh, what we are going to deliver to you is we're going to look at their, uh, at, we're going to um, pull out a particular character out of the Christmas story, focus on uh, that them or that person for that Sunday and get from them Based on their response to Jesus or the news of Jesus, uh, and how should we respond? Use them as an example, good or bad, of what we should or shouldn't respond when we hear of Jesus. And so hopefully uh, it's a blessing to you because our goal, always preaching the word, is, is, uh, is one, empowerment, that God would empower you to live the life he's called you to, um, and second, to build you up so that you are more like Christ. And that's the hope of us. That's what we're striving for at Christmas time. Amen? Amen. So today, we're going to start off with uh, Joseph and Mary, right? Because they are kind of like the first uh, part of that story. So uh, the Christmas story, if you don't know or if you're new, uh, is found in Matthew and in Luke. Those are the two Gospels that we see the Christmas story written in. And so we're going to be toggling back and forth. And we're going to read portions of Scripture, and I'm going to skip over pieces that Mary and Joseph are not in, okay, Um, because we don't want to read the Christmas story every single Sunday, just the pieces that are are relevant. So, I want to ask the question, who were Joseph and Mary before Jesus? Okay, so let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26, uh, and 27. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, if you don't know who Elizabeth is and why she's pregnant, read Luke 1, 1 through 25. Uh, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Mary. Okay, we're going to look at Mary first because uh, Luke focuses on, on Mary in the beginning here. So first of all, where did Mary live? Mary lived in a town called Nazareth, okay? Um, let's, Nazareth is never mentioned in the Old Testament. Uh, Nazareth is a small village, and there's nothing pre-Jesus noteworthy about Nazareth. There's nothing. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 45 and 46, it says, Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, Come and see, said Philip. So, Uh, You could take this a couple ways, or is evil a rivalry with villages, or we kind of read in some emphasis, but basically, uh, what Nathaniel is saying is, what is is Nazareth? That's a little no-name village with nothing special about it, no special people, no special skill, no special place, uh, geographically speaking. It's just an obscure little village, uh, not known for anything noteworthy. So that's where Mary lives. OK? Now, what else about Mary? We know that Mary says that she was engaged to be married to Joseph. Uh, so um, she was young and engaged, uh, but didn't live together. Important to know, uh, for a lot of reasons, which we won't focus on. But in uh, Jewish culture, at that time is slightly different than our culture, OK? When people got engaged, they were legally bound to each other at that point. And then there was a, a, a process, a prepar- they call it a preparation process, where the legal commitment was made, engaged, and then there was the preparation for the life to begin together, which finalized in them finally moving in and living together, and then, and then the marriage was consummated by the honeymoon night, if you know what I mean. So there's this preparation process and sometimes that's a long time and sometimes it's a short time. Uh, Just a side note, that's why Jesus, we're called the bride of Christ and he has gone to prepare a place for us and he will come back to take us to be with him forever. We're in the betrothal preparation period of God's legal promise to us and actual fulfillment of it. So just a little side note and analogy. So they're in that process Okay, they're, they're legally bound, not fully married yet. They're in the middle of this. And so they were a young. She was a young couple. Um, second, we say, it says Mary was a virgin. So Mary had never had sexual relations with a man. Um, the Greek word they use here is a term for young woman, which meant post-puberty but not married yet. That age range of young person. And I want to just... Because uh, part of being a pastor is theology, Um, there's some arguments in culture right now that the Bible means young woman, it didn't mean not sexually active. And that's true if you look at just this word virgin, but that's untrue if you look at the entire context of the scripture. And you have to, when you look at context, you have to pull in the cultural expectations of the day, okay? And then you also which we'll read in a minute, look at Mary's response. When the angel says to her uh, what he says to her, we're going to read it in a minute, and she responds, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. She's indicating, I've never been with a man. How is this possible? Right? So um, she had never had sexual relations with a man. All right. Now, uh, so, Joseph. Um, she was betrothed to Joseph, well, who was Joseph? He lived in the same village, and then uh, Matthew chapter thirteen verse fifty five tells us that he was a carpenter by trade so isn 't this the carpenter 's son isn 't his mother 's name Mary and aren 't his brothers James Joseph, Simon, and Judas? This is in matthew thirteen hundred and fifty five so that alerts us to what did Joseph do for work? He was a carpenter so Let's just pause for a minute. Well, who were Joseph and Mary pre-Jesus? Okay? Uh, Joseph and Mary were an unknown, blue-collar, young couple, living living in an obscure, unimportant village, getting ready to start a normal life together, a.k.a. no one special. And I think it's important for us to focus on this because uh, different church traditions have deified Mary, meaning they've made her godlike, like she had some special dispensation of grace and anointing from God separate from the rest of us, that somehow Mary was hand-chosen and she, she dispenses grace to people and she's this ultra amen kind of saint. That's not what scripture says. Her and Joseph, uh, you and I could be any of them, just normal people, uh, going about their normal life. Uh, no special skill. No, didn't live in a place special. Didn't have a position in some whatever. Weren't descendants of the next king, and they weren't. They're were just normal people, working normal jobs, wanting to live a normal life. That's who Joseph and Mary were pre-Jesus. Okay, so. Let's look on and continue the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28 through 35, we're just going to read it and then unpack it. Uh, The angel visits Mary and it says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor With God. You will conceive, let me back up for a minute. That's where people get the scripture like she's favored of God. Uh, Mary was troubled though. So Mary's like, she knew who she was, yet why do I have favor with God? She just was a normal person. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. We get excited about that right now, but let's just pause for a moment and break this down from Mary's perspective, pre-Jesus, pre-New Testament. An angel shows up to her, a supernatural angel, experience kind of thing, which did not happen in the Old Testament. In fact, it said God was silent for 400 years from Malachi to this point. And says, hey, guess what? God's going to impregnate you. And the child that's going to get born, he's going to be a king. And he's going to rule forever. You young ladies, you ladies here, how would you feel if you were woken in the middle of the night by an angel who said God was going to impregnate you. I'm scared. Wicked scared. Like, what in the world is going on here? And not only is God going to impregnate me, but this, this son that's going to be born is going to rule the world forever. Never going to die. He's going to be forever king. Like, remember who Mary is. She's like, I live in a no-name village. I'm a no-name person working an average job. Like, okay. Like, one, just kind of troubledness about this, but also just the message that's being communicated to her is not normal. And there's no context, really, for her other than some prophetic scriptures that the Israelites know that the Messiah was going to become and the Virgin was going to conceive, which is why Mary's troubled. And so, what is Mary's response she says, How will this be? Since I'm a virgin, there's our indication. Like Mary knows, I've, I haven't been with a man. Uh, how am I going to get pregnant? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be called the Son. Did we read this already? I feel like it's duplicated. Oh, no. Will be called the Son of God. Here's Mary's response I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary says, okay, um, count me in, God. That's the modern paraphrase, Pastor Steve's version of the Bible. The angel gives her this crazy news, God's going to pregnant you, and this guy is going to be the king, and he's going to be the son of David, and Messiah, and all this, and she has a million questions, I'm sure. Sure. Uh, and let's, let's just pause here and think. Uh, in our culture, a, a woman getting pregnant and not being married is a little taboo. Back then, it was, it was, uh, it was shameful. Like, your life was over. You may never get married. Uh, your family will disown you. You will live poor and desolate the rest of your lives because uh, you did this. So, she's not fully married yet. So, think of the questions to ask. Okay, God's going to get me pregnant. What's my family going to think? What's my people going to think? And more importantly, what's my future husband going to think? What's going to happen to me? Real questions, right? And Mary said, okay, God, count me in. Uh, Pretty amazing stuff to me. Now let's take a moment and look at Joseph. Joseph is in Matthew chapter 1, is his story uh, gets recorded here. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So we already talked about what it means Joseph was pledged to marry, legally binding, he was preparing for their life together in that engagement period. Now, think of this. As he's legally promised himself to this woman, he's out working hard to create whatever it was, whether it was a house or a job or money or whatever it was, he finds out she's pregnant. Okay? Okay? Um, and I'm sure Mary said, God got me pregnant. Every man in this place, right, if your wife, girlfriend, fiancé comes to you and says, hey, I'm pregnant, but don't worry, it was God. The giggles say it all. Your response is like, yeah, I wasn't born yesterday, honey. Like, That doesn't happen. Do you know biology, wife, or soon-to-be wife? At any rate, even if he believes her, he knows he's not the father. Like, this child is not my father. And if we go back to their society and their culture, they're not married yet. And the girl he's married to is pregnant. Right? So, a couple of things... Uh, the society might think they fooled around and got pregnant before they were supposed to be fooling around which brings shame on them as a couple or joseph could be like well no 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 it's not my kid i'm just but i'm marrying her anyway well now is his wife is publicly disgraced and as a family they're known as that family right and so Joseph's like an irrational guy, like, hey, I, I didn't sign up for this. I don't really want to live a lifetime of disgrace in my little small village. Right? We all understand small villages living on Cape Cod. Right? Like, everybody knows everything about everybody if you've been there your entire life. Um, and he's like, I, I don't know if I signed up for this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put her away, dismiss her, uh, legally divorce her, um, discreetly. Now, we know that uh, he's not the father. We know that he's entering into a cultural nightmare and embarrassment. But we also know he loves God. Because this verse says, Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Now, we, Today's terms were like faithful to the law. That doesn't necessarily equate loving God, Pastor Steve. But then it did. Pre-Jesus it did because all of Israelites' relationship with God was governed at how well they kept the law. And so if somebody who was faithful to the law, which means they they went through the Torah, the books of Moses and the prophets, and they they obeyed everything that was expected of them, and that demonstrated their love and their commitment for God. They were faithful to the law. So we know that Joseph loved God. He was faithful to keep God's commands, because he was a lover of God. But we also know he loved people. Because he says right here, he says he didn't want to expose his wife to public disgrace. I mean, that's a hurtful thing. You've promised yourself forever to this woman and she shows up pregnant. I don't care who you are and if you really believed it was the Holy Spirit. It's a little bit of a, uh, right? Right? So we know that Joseph's a good, a good man in the sense of he loves God and he really does love Mary and he loves people. He doesn't, wanna, he doesn't want her to be exposed to public disgrace, but this isn't quite what he signed up for. <clears throat> so we go in verse 20, it says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This is amazing. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and they gave him the name Jesus. So an angel visits Joseph in a dream. And says, hey, she's telling you the truth. It really is the God. This is the promised Messiah. Take her as your wife. Joseph says, I'm in. Not only does Joseph say I'm in, he takes it another step. And he says, Listen, I'm going to deny my my own rights as a husband. And I'm going to take her into my home and provide and love and all those kinds of things. But I'm I'm going to wait until Jesus is born before I fully consummate the marriage. So he denied his own husbandly rights so that all of what God wanted to do would be fulfilled. And so that nobody could question, oh, maybe it was Joseph, maybe the timing's off, you know, she thought she was pregnant, but not really, or, you know, all those kinds of excuses we can come up with. Joseph and Mary both would know this child's 100% from God. So Joseph and Mary have both been visited by angels and they agree to participate in God's divine plan given the extreme conditions uh, and that they would be subject to just culturally. Now let's read the story we're familiar with, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while... I never pronounced his name right. Quirinius? Quirinius? I don't know. The governor. And everyone wanted their own town. Everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. You notice here for a moment that he took her into her home. They're considered husband and wife, but they're still pledged to be married because they haven't consummated their marriage yet. Just it's interesting. But she's with child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, uh, we're going to skip the next section because that talks about the shepherds and all these kinds of things. Uh, So after all the shepherds and after eight days, uh, on verse 21, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. they do all that's required by the law, which again was a demonstration of their love and commitment to God. Um, so what did they do? They, they named him Jesus, which was the name the angel gave them to name him, right? They didn't take a family name. They, didn't, they named him Jesus. Uh, they had him circumcised, which was ordered by the law. And then the purification rites, Uh, You can read about these in Leviticus chapter 12. It talks about the things, the purification process a woman has to go to after giving birth and the offerings that need to be made, okay? So they did all of that, and there's something significant here. Uh, They offered two birds as the sacrifice. If you read Leviticus chapter 12, what's required is a lamb and a bird. But then there's this little note at the end that says, if you cannot afford a lamb you can do two birds. So this tells us right here that Joseph and Mary didn't have any money. They were poor because they couldn't afford a lamb. So Jesus didn't grow up in a rich family with rich parents or any of those kinds of things at this stage, right? So they do everything that's required of them by by the law. They go to the temple, they go through the purification rites, and you can read all of that uh, on your own. Then we have the wise men visit, right? The, the Magi from the east. We're going to pick up the story in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 through 15. When, the, when they, the Magi, had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt, Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Pause for a minute again. And I'm pausing on purpose because we've read these stories year after year after year after year after year. We we sometimes fail to think about what's going on here. At this point, uh, Joseph and Mary haven't really experienced any trouble at all that we know of. They got married, they traveled to Bethlehem, they had a baby temple and did the purification. They're back home. These three, or first of all, we don't know how many wise men there were. There was more than one. We assume there were three because three gifts were given. For all we know, there could have been 30 wise men that showed up at their door. We don't know. Three gifts were given. So these wise men come out, these very amazing, wealthy, whatever, and they, man, they showered us with gifts and they worshipped our kid. This is amazing. And then the next, that night, an angel says, hey, get up. The king's going to try to kill your son. Again, there's no precedence of why they should feel this way. There was no soldiers snooping around, knocking, asking questions. There was no like, little murmurings like, hey, hey, I heard rumors, this and this. Like, there, was, there was none of that. There was no hostility towards them as a young couple. Nothing but good things. An angel shows up one night and says, hey, run for your life. The king's after your kid. So he got up, took the child, his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so is fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, "Out of Egypt, I will call my son." And then a few verses later, in verse 19, after Herod dies, the angel shows up again and says, "It's safe to go home. They move back to Israel. Let's tie all this together why am I pointing all of these things out? I mean, what was it about Joseph and Mary that got God's attention? Were they just predestined from the beginning of time regardless of who they were and what they did? Um, Was it something about them, some special thing that they did to earn the right to be Jesus' parents? What was it about them? I mean, we already established they're blue-collar, they're just ordinary people. Don't have a lot of money in the bank either. They're from a no-name, obscure village nobody has ever heard about, unless you lived close by. I already said we knew they were poor, because they offered two birds instead of a lamb. They were young, inexperienced, engaged, not even married. I mean, what qualified them to be Jesus' parents? I mean this is the stinking Messiah. Right? Like certainly there's some sort of special quality about them that God was like, Yeah, 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 I gotta make sure Jesus is raised up safely and in good hands with good parents. So what was it about them? Get Matthew chapter one verse nineteen. I have a poor internet connection. There we go. Technology, it's wonderful when it works. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. That captures it. What does it mean by faithful to the law? You know what another definition of faithful is? Long obedience. Long obedience. Because I can be obedient once, twice, occasionally, when I feel like it. But faithfulness is obedience for a long haul, right? So, you know how my wife determines whether I'm faithful to her? I'm obedient to our covenant for a long time. That's called faithfulness, right? If I messed up just once, I wouldn't be termed faithful anymore. Right. Her husband was faithful to law. Just let's go down the list. Mary said yes to do God's will in spite of what it could cost her. Joseph said yes and took Mary as his wife and Jesus as his son, despite what it may cost him socially. Uh, they are obedient to name him Jesus, what the angel told them to do. They uproot and move to Egypt which for them was a symbol of their slavery and oppression that God had delivered them from. Keep that in mind. Like, oh, they just went to another country. They didn't go to just any country. They went to the country that God delivered them from out of slavery and oppression. So symbolic, what was that? They retreated to Egypt because an angel told them. They moved back because an angel told them. They raised Jesus faithfully, lovingly. Well, you say, how do we know lovingly? Because when they lost Jesus, when he was 12 in Jerusalem, they frantically looked around the city for him. If you've ever, uh, if your kid's hand has ever slipped away from you, like in the grocery store, and you can't find them, you know what that feels like as a parent, if you love your kid. Right? There's something right here that goes, (gasps) like, were they stolen? Like, all these things rush through your mind, and then you realize they're just in the next aisle, like, looking at a toy. Right? But you know that feeling. And so the Bible records that about Mary and Joseph. They were faithful to raise Jesus. Here's the point. Sometimes we look for the amazing in life. We look for the world-changing characteristics We look to live the -the over-the-top lives because that's what makes us stand out and that's what makes us special and that's what qualifies us because we're standing out above anybody else. But Joseph and Mary challenge that notion. Presumably the, the most important baby in all of history is given to a set of parents who their main qualifications and their main thing is that they're just obedient. They just do what God tells them to do. That's their response to God. When God asks, they say yes. I fall into the trap of thinking I need to have some special skill for God to recognize me. That I need to do some over the top thing, or sacrifice this amazing thing, or give a large amount of money, or I need to, I these all these things, God, and then maybe will I be, you know, deemed whatever in your sight. And God says, I don't really want all of that. The biggest qualification is a life of obedience, and it's proven in the life of Mary and Joseph. And I think. Speaking from as a parent, can, that's the, probably the biggest honor God can bestow. Probably the most frightening thing as well. Hey, raise the Messiah, the Savior of the world. I'm going to give him to you for for 30 years. Make sure he, make sure he grows up okay. See you in 30, right? That'd be frightening. Their only qualification, the only thing they have in their pocket is their faithfulness to God. I'm sure they weren't perfect. I mean, they lost Jesus in Jerusalem, for goodness sakes. Right? I mean, that's not perfect parenting. But they were faithful to do whatever God asked them to do. Even in the face of adversity, even in the face of potential consequences, even if it meant denying their own personal rights, even if it meant going back to the place that represented slavery or oppression for them, uh, they did. I won't say they didn't care. In the spite of, in, despite these things, they still said yes to God. And so I argue that in our response to God, that when we look at the life of Mary and Joseph, what God is really calling us to is a life of obedience. That. Joseph and Mary provide for us a Christmas example of that you can be an ordinary, average person from a no-name place with below-average income and still be used mightily for God if you'll just say yes. If you'll just say, sure, God, I'll do that. Sure, God, count me in. Uh, I know you got me. (laughs) I hope you got me because it's going to go really bad if you don't because I can't get myself out of that. I can't buy my way out of that. I can't influence my way out of that. I'm a carpenter. I can't work my way out of that. But I'm in. And that's really the response God's looking for to change the world around us. My question today is, will you respond like Joseph and Mary? Will you look at their life and go, uh, you know, they didn't really do anything that extraordinary. If you think about it, Mary had a baby. Joseph was a carpenter. Even after Jesus was born, this is who they were. I'm sure they were like, Jesus, get over here. Jesus, really? Can you pee in the potty and not on the floor? I mean, remember, Jesus was fully God, but he was fully human. So the same thing, like, Jesus, no, no, eat all your food. No, no, no dessert until you eat it all, right? Jesus, play well with your brother. You know, like, they had these conversations. Mary had to deal with this. She had to wash Jesus' laundry and wipe his nose. And, like, just normal people. And it... Here's the point of all this. If normal people will put it in their heart to say yes to God above everything else, he uses normal people to change the world. And guess what? You and I are normal people. There's nobody in this room of great influence. There's nobody in this room of great wealth, as far as as long as, I, as, far as I know. <laughs> There's nobody in here. And we all live in this little obscure place called Cape Cod. I mean, it's, It's beautiful to visit. We're just normal people. And this Christmas, I challenge you, I challenge myself, to just mimic the responses of Joseph and Mary and be willing to say yes when Jesus asks. When he says, would you do this, say, that may cost me, God, but I'm in. Sure. Sure. And not just once, not just twice, not just at Christmas time, not just in 2022, but a long obedience. And see what God does with your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your son, and you, man, you just shocked the world. You send your son in a, as a baby, for one, and then you give him to just young, blue-collar, uneducated, poor people to take care of. And you took that obedience, and you changed the world. And Lord, we today, we see the example of Joseph and Mary. And we identify with who they are. We're just normal, ordinary people. But we're inspired by the fact that they just said yes to you all the time. And it's that yes that qualified them to be used in your kingdom. And so, Lord, we pray today for a spirit of yes. That you would put something within us that would just want to say yes to you. That all of the questions, all of the struggles, all of the what-ifs, all these kinds of things would kind of melt away. But when you speak, our, our first response would be, sure, God, I'm in. Lord, we know we just don't get there overnight. But Lord, we give your Holy Spirit permission to continue to push us in that direction. That we would be people who say yes to you. And that, Lord, we know from Mary and Joseph's example that you would take that and use that to do amazing things. So Lord, we thank you for the season where the whole world is focused on Jesus Christ and your Son. And we pray, Lord, over the next several weeks that your name is exalted, that good things are done, that people come to know you as we say yes. We thank you, and we praise the Lord in your holy name. Amen.